My guests today are Polygon's executive editor, Chris Plant, and Kotaku's news editor, Mr. Jason Schreier. My name is Charlie Hall, and you're listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Thank you so much for taking the time today, especially Jason. Good to have you on the show. Hello, Charlie. Thank you for having me. This is kind of a special episode of, of Polygon's Quality Control. This is our pre-E3 show. We have, we've not really done much with these shows in the past. Kind of stuck to our knitting and talk more about reviews of games and movies and hardware and stuff. But you know, I kind of wanted to get you guys on the line here, because when I think about people that know stuff in games, <laughs> I kind of think about Chris Platt and I think about Jason Schreier as folks that know way more of the scuttlebutt than I ever will. And I just kind of wanted to start by kicking things off with kind of the big three. So we're, we're going to talk a little bit about what, what we're going to expect this year from the folks over at Microsoft, from PlayStation, and also from the folks at Nintendo. And I want to start things off with PlayStation. I start with you, Chris, because you kind of got the home field advantage here, being a Polygon podcast and all. <laughs> uh, oh, sure. I mean, I, I, I was still kind of like overwhelmed by uh, the comparison to Jason as somebody who knows things, because I feel like uh, that's the equivalent of like comparing the 1999 Kansas City Royals to like the Yankees in a year. Um, but I'll take the flattery. Um <laughs> Anytime. Sure. Thank you. PlayStation. Okay, so what do we expect from PlayStation? I think this is a year where they pull back, even though I don't know if anybody will see it that way after all things are said and done, because uh, what is E3 if not a series of things being compared to one another? And I think it will definitely be framed against Microsoft and Nintendo. But I, I do think that Sony has so much announced. They have so much that they they already have to speak to. Um, from Days Gone, that open world zombie game, to uh, Last of Us Part Two, the other zombie game that seems to visually have inspired Days Gone, to uh, random weird announcements like Medieval's remake um, last year, to the Ninja game. There's there's just so much that they have to work through. Uh, DLC of God of War, all their obligations to uh, PlayStation VR, uh, Spider Man. It, it's just all kind of out on the table. And I think rather than what they have done in years past, which is announce all these games very early, they will keep some of those cards hidden for a while. Maybe for a time they're more advantageous and focus on on what's out there. And and also, I mean, that's probably a, a good idea as Sony recognizes that there are other things out there than E3. They have uh, the Paris Games Conference has become pretty big for them later in the summer. And then they have their own PlayStation experience, which I think they're trying to create or, or reshape as more of a place for big reveals right ahead of the holidays. 
Jason, what what do you think? Am, am I off base on thinking that E three isn't their top priority or only priority? No, I think you're you're totally right. First of all, Chris, don't sell yourself short because you are, of course, an excellent reporter who always has his ear to the ground. Um, <laughs> and second of all, I think that yeah, you're totally right. And and Sony's even said this. They came out on their PlayStation blog a couple of weeks ago and said, "Hey, don't expect a lot of first party announcements for us. We're going to be focusing on these four games." And it was the last. Last of Us 2, Ghost of Tsushima, the Sucker Punch Samurai game, um, Spider-Man, and uh, Death Stranding, the Kojima batch mm. crazy extraordinaire. <laughs> so those four games, I imagine, will take up the bulk of their press conference time. I think they'll also have some third-party announcements in there. There have been rumors of a Devil May Cry 5 uh, coming to E3. I wouldn't be shocked to see that there. I wouldn't be shocked to see the announcement of From Software's next game, uh, Shadows Die Twice, which they hinted at uh, the Game Awards last fall. I don't think a lot of people have been theorizing that that is Bloodborne 2, but I do not think that's the case. I actually think it's something else, and I think we may see it at Sony's conference, or maybe we'll see it at another conference. I don't know. But I wouldn't be shocked to see some big third-party reveals that night. For example, if Square Enix has some more Final Fantasy VII remake footage to show us, why not show it then? Oh my gosh. Um, Why not show it in the morning at their press conference and then show some more at Sony's conference at night? Um, Maybe we'll see some Kingdom Hearts 3. They're could be a lot of third-party stuff. Destiny will definitely be there. So yeah, so I think it'll be those four big first-party marquee titles. We're not going to see Horizon 2. We're not going to see God of War 2. I don't even know if we'll see God of War DLC. I feel like that that makes sense, but I also feel like Corey Barlog, Barlog the director of God of War, has kind of hinted that they don't want to do DLC. So I don't know. I don't know what we'll see from from that. But yeah, if you're going in expecting like the next big Sony first party surprise, do not expect that or you will be disappointed. There's also been this weird chatter lately, though, that like, you know, the PlayStation 4 is coming to the end of its lifespan and all of this that that caused some some like confusion almost, I feel, among <laughs> among players and, and owners of the PlayStation 4. Do you think that Sony kind of takes the opportunity to <laughs> reinforce that you know, this this platform's gonna be around for a while or, or maybe even exert pressure on Microsoft and and, com- and compare themselves favorably to that flagging Xbox player base. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah, this is definitely them saying, I mean, with those four games, it, the Sony can pretty much say, I mean, look at this shit. Like, look at what we've got planned for the PS4. You think anyone here is really thinking about PS5? Because there are, I mean, there are people having conversations about what the PS5 will be and finalizing specs and all that jazz, but we're still a ways away from from that thing. And I mean, look at PS2 and PS3. I mean, Sony makes systems that live long lives. They they extend almost into their follow-ups. So I, 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 I agree with that. I think we will be seeing PS4 games alongside PS5 games whenever that time comes. By the way, this will be boring if we just agree on everything. So I hope I'm we disagree. I'm sorry. Don't worry. I, I have I have a lot of just really, really vicious takes. <laughs> okay, good. Good. Let's move along down on the road here. And, and let's talk a little bit about, about Microsoft. Guys, I'm going to be honest. I'm a little worried about <laughs> Microsoft. Not not like the company is a large, but specifically the Xbox uh-huh. team. Like they got a got to pull it off this year, in my opinion. You mean you don't think it's normal that Crackdown 3 had a release date and is now suddenly missing from everything? <sighs> That's very concerning, Jason. <laughs> um, I think you have good reason to be worried about Microsoft. I think uh, uh, 
I, I mean, anyone should have been worried about Microsoft for like the past four or five years. Really, since the Xbox One reveal, it's been fair to worry about Microsoft. Um, I actually think that this will still not be the year for their first party to come roaring back. I think that we can expect to see a lot of third-party stuff at their conference this year. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see Cyberpunk get its big reveal at their conference, maybe as their big showstopper thing. Really? Um, because The Witcher 3 was a big Xbox. It was like a fixture at the Xbox conference every year before it came out. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see that. Uh, their partnership continue there and other stuff maybe we'll see some more Anthem there maybe we'll see some Assassin's Creed Odyssey there before Ubisoft's conference so yeah a lot of options there but I mean come on Chris they've got to bring some of the first party stuff if they don't like oh man so so here's where we disagree I think they will have a lot of first party stuff I think the question is does anybody care and, and by that, I mean, I, I, there have been rumors floating around about numerous Gears of War announcements, mm-hmm. to which I, I like have to wonder why. Like, uh, who, who is this for other than the very, very core base of, like, Microsoft fans or Xbox fans? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I, th- I guess that's my big question mark, not just for this E3, but many E3... T- E3s to come for Microsoft is I think they have really bought into these franchises from Gears to Halo. Forza, I think, is doing better than those other ones. But they just keep pushing into it rather than branching out in different directions. And I think that's where Sony has has kind of stepped ahead of them. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 think, I think we'll see those things. I think we'll get, you know, the teaser for whatever the next halo is i think we'll get all this gear stuff i think we'll get forza horizon 4 which don't get me wrong i'm looking forward to that game i like that franchise but yeah i i my bigger question is like what is first party for them right they have these teams who who are just dedicated to these franchises um, and then they, for a while, they had people working on Connect, and then they had studios working on HoloLens, and then they shut down some studios. And then, like, what he, is Crackdown is a sumo game? So, like, what, what even is that first party? Is it second party? Is it third party? Yeah, it's made with Microsoft. Like, Microsoft has a bunch of producers and their own team working on it. Yeah, uh, for sure. But I, I mean, I, I, there's a difference between like owning a, a studio and having like mm-hmm. immense oversight and having a squad of people who also work on a project made by a giant developer that's working on what, at least three or four other games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Sony does the same thing with, with quantic dream. They have th- third party studio working on first party games. I'm curious to hear. So I remember you, I know you wrote that big, that big article on polygon.com advertisement of, uh, about all the E3 rumors you've heard, Chris and the scuttlebutt that you've been hearing remind, refresh my memory, what the gears games you've heard about are the gears games I've heard are a traditional sequel to gears, Mm -hmm. some sort of strategy game. Uh, My assumption Mm -hmm. would be like a halo wars sort of thing, but maybe it's a different type of strategy thing. And then the last is battle Royale, Mm. but that, I don't know. I I am maybe we, I don't know if we want to save this for later, <laughs> but I'm really torn on how much I buy into any battle royale rumors, mostly because it requires 
publishers to in developers of of AAA games to be okay releasing something broken. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know if they have the stomach for it. I mean, to do it intentionally, right? Like, I mean, Bethesda has released games that were in in troubled states. Microsoft just released State of Decay two in a pretty um, busted state, uh, and more recently just released a patch for it. But I mean, when when I think of a battle royale game i'm thinking of a game that even you know fortnite has changed dramatically in quality over the past few months and and i just don't know if i buy that places like microsoft sony ea activision are are quite suited for that i did leave out one publisher name that maybe we can get to later (laughs) well i definitely want to revisit this idea that the only way to launch a battle royale game is in a half finished state. I don't I don't think that that's necessarily true, but you know, the evolution that you talk about definitely part of the the genre. Uh what what were you going to say, Jason? Well, so as for the Gears of War stuff, um yeah, there are definitely multiple Gears of War games going on. I actually I haven't heard anything about a Gears of War battle royale. Um doesn't mean it doesn't exist, but I haven't heard anything about that. There's definitely a strategy game. It's I don't believe that it's going to be a real-time strategy game. I actually think it's more of an XCOM style. Yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing that I feel like I've been hearing a lot more of, which makes sense. It kind of has that look already, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, As for the Battle Royale thing, we can talk about Battle Royale in general later, but Call of Duty, we know now, has a Battle Royale mode coming. Um, We don't know what it'll look like, but I would... Uh, it would be impossible to imagine a Call of Duty game shipping with something that's as busted as State of Decay or Fortnite or, or whatever. Well, Fortnite's not busted, or Play- PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds or whatever. So I think that'll be pretty polished. I don't know about other stuff. I mean, they're definitely there. We'll definitely see other battle royale games. I don't know if Gears is is the the, the a great fit for that, but maybe who knows. As for other first-party stuff, yeah, I'm sure we'll see some CGI teaser trailer for Halo, but I think we're still a ways away from the next Halo game or games, whatever they may look like. And I don't really know what else they could possibly have in in the first party. Like, yeah, Forza is a given. Um, More Sea of Thieves is a given. But, like, what other first-party games are they going to show? I wouldn't be shocked if Crackdown 3 doesn't even appear because that game is in such trouble. I I think think it definitely appears. I think it definitely shows. Ships. Well, no, no, no. I mean, I think I wouldn't be surprised if, like, before ahead of the show, they said something like, "Hey, we're skipping this year for Crackdown Three to give it the time it needs, and we're pushing it to 2019." Like, that's what I think will happen with Crackdown. I would be shocked. You, I, I just can't imagine them not having that this fall. Yeah, like no matter what state it's in, you know. Like, I, I don't know. They, I look at again, State of Decay, Recore, and I think Microsoft is kind of at this point of. What can we do to get this done? I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe you're right, but that would be that would be wild to not have that game. Well, I think they're in a position where they can afford they can afford to just take all the time they need because Microsoft is not running out of money anytime soon, and this is a game that they see as really important, and they would rather spend more money on it than ship it in a, a budget state. That's what I think. Interesting. I'll, I'll be very curious to see now. I have one what other shows thing. Up. And I and I had this in the article. I this is my this is my long shot bet. Well, I guess Gears Battle Royale is my really long shot bet. But <laughs> NBA Jam coming back. <laughs> I it, it, it's been mentioned here and there. I know that the creators have been pushing it towards Microsoft for an anniversary release. It got a like out of nowhere update on Xbox 360 in the past month. I would not be surprised if that's the sort of thing Microsoft 
sink some money into because it's quick turnaround and it gets a big scream at E3. Like, you don't have to, you know, put years into it. <laughs> Shaq Fu came back, so why can't NBA Jam? Oh, my gosh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right, the other the other major press conference that we're all going to be glued to uh, is going to be Nintendo's. So, so guys, what, what is Nintendo going to show this year, do you think? We'll start with Jason on this one. All right, so we will definitely see um, Smash Brothers. That'll be their big marquee game. They've already said that. Um, I think I'd be shocked if we didn't see more of Metroid Prime 4, although uh, I'm sure that's still another year out at least. I think we're going to see Retro's game, which is uh, heavily rumored, and I've heard as well, to be a Star Fox racing game. I think that we'll see a lot of Switch ports like Fortnite. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, some other big third parties. There have been rumors of GTA V. There have been rumors of Diablo Three. There have been rumors of uh, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, or whatever the f- that game is called. And yeah, I think that this will. I think we'll see some more Wii U Switch ports as well. I wouldn't be shocked to see something like the Wonderful One Hundred and One or a Metroid Prime tr- trilogy to lead up to Metroid Prime Four. And I think Nintendo is always good at just having at least one completely out of nowhere thing that nobody expects or thinks about. So I'm looking forward to that one, too. Yeah, and they're going to talk about that out of nowhere thing probably the next day during yes. their continuous 72-hour live stream that we that we all have to watch. <laughs> yeah, they like to just randomly announce things. Yeah, 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 just to piss off reporters. They like to just make every single day an adventure. Chris, what are you, what are you hoping to see from them or, or expecting to see? Oh, man. So I think uh, New Kid Icarus, uh, Mother 3. <laughs> And you remember that game where you squeegee walls on the NES? Probably like a remake of that. <laughs> um, no, I, I think it'll be like all all the things that um, Jason mentioned. I, I would add uh, Bethesda, I'm sure, will continue to like port things that make money because that's half of their business at this point. Something like Fallout 4 appearing on switch seems like a natural fit if they can find a way to get it to run which yeah that'd be good but like the technology i don't know if bethesda's like gamebryo engine i i don't know if they can get that running on the switch i I just honestly don't know like i I know that so wolfenstein and doom which are the games that they've announced for switch and are putting on switch are both id tech which i think is a a pretty flexible piece of technology a robust piece of uh technology that that is Carmack developed and can support a lot more potentially than say the uh, Gambrio engine or Cry engine, which Dishonored runs on. Is wait, is Rage Two even being developed on Id Tech? Uh, I don't know. I don't know offhand. Um, uh, yeah, it takes a mystery to me. I don't know if I'm quite as positive that that's why it's being done. I I think I I might give more credit to just that the porting house that is doing that are magic makers yeah it could be i'm just uh, pointing to the common thread between the games that bethesda has announced for switch yeah fallout 4 could definitely happen i had heard rumors that it was happening at some point but i don't know how much i also wouldn't be shocked to see fallout shelter come to switch yeah which is one that'd be perfect yeah or like if they announce a new fallout shelter game that that made, that would be perfect on both mobile and Switch, so we'll see. You know, I was so surprised um, last year at E3 to be invited into Bethesda's booth and and to be asked to do so much VR stuff. Do you, what, what's the presence of VR going to be like this year at E3? Is it just going to be like the VR desert? Well, I would be surprised if I were invited into Bethesda's booth because that hasn't happened in five years. So, <laughs> <laughs> mm, Collar pull. 
<laughs> to answer your VR thing, I think Sony will have a lot. I, I mean, the big rumor is that Sony is ramping up some upgraded version of the PSVR headset. I wouldn't be surprised if a number of their exclusives have some VR feature, some somewhat similar to like what they did with Resident Evil 7 or Batman or Tomb Raider. Uh, that seems like... I don't know. It seems like a thing that hasn't gone away yet, kind of similar to there is that two or three year period of second screen features mm. where like everything got a second screen feature and then one year nobody mentioned second screen again. <laughs> what was it called? Smart Glass? Microsoft Smart Glass? Yeah, or Smart Glass. Oh my gosh. You'll be able to break down your gun and look at individual <laughs> parts. Uh, great. Amazing. Thank you. So yeah, I, I think we're still in that zone. I don't know if we'll see Bethesda being as aggressive because, again, the reason they did that is it was an opportunity to port the things they have. And, and at a certain point, you run out of stuff to port. And I, I, don't, I, I can't imagine that people are rushing to make entirely new projects um, just for that. I think the, the Doom VR may have been the closest we, we see of something like that. Mm. Yeah, I'm pretty bearish on... VR, I always have been. I've always felt like it it just does not have the appeal uh, that it needs to in order to, like, survive. And this it, history has kind of proven that. I, I just don't think that people want to sit in their living rooms with a giant headset over their, like, giant goggles over their face. I think that one day if we get a, some sort of VR technology that is less intrusive, then maybe things will be a little bit different. But, like, right now... People just don't want that. Fellas, I want to bring the conversation back around to the elephant in the room, and that's this battle royale genre and, and what we think we may or may not see at this year's E3. But first, a message from this week's sponsor, ZipRecruiter. Hiring is challenging, but there's one place that you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. It's a place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. And that place is called ZipRecruiter. Now, ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. But they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employees who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day that their job is listed. With results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at our exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com control. That's ZipRecruiter.com forward slash C-O-N-T-R-O-L, ZipRecruiter.com slash control zip recruiter the smartest way to hire all right let's transition then let's talk about this whole battle royale thing it's easy to forget that well kind of this this whole thing emerged really only a little over a year ago right like battle uh, player unknowns battlegrounds came out in the spring 2017 and gathered steam from there and then fortnite came in and became this juggernaut with their battle royale space and, and you know we kind of plowed through e3 with with this burbling undercurrent of battle royale stuff but 
but now it's something different. This is a whole big emergent genre. Arguably, Fortnite is the biggest game in the world right now. The most popular, certain among you know kids in my neighborhood. My my eight year old daughter keeps asking to play it. I'm <laughs> like, no, you may not, because you're too young and there's guns. But like. What what does the Battle Royale space look like at this year's E3? Is everybody going to be jumping in, or is is Fortnite just going to take all the air out of their room with their big, you know, big 50v50 Pro-Am event, and people are going to back off of, of Battle Royale? <laughs> well, I don't think anyone's going to notice the 50v50 Pro-Am event while at E3 because it's in a venue that's uh, like a few miles down the road and everyone will just be focused on what's at E3. I think that that might get the most attention from outside of the like hardcore gamer crowd but i think that'll that's kind of a different world um i do think the the battle royale trend chasing reminds me of just about every industry trend uh cycle which it the, it last happened to facebook games and before that it was mobas and before that it was mmos and the cycle goes on and on and maybe actually after facebook games it might have been survival games for some time but yeah it's just it's an industry of copycats and everybody is just chasing the trend that is making the most money uh, in the most short-sighted ways possible. And if you look at what happened with MOBAs, that's kind of a perfect model for where this will head, which is that at the end of the day, even though every single company tried to make a MOBA from EA to Activision to whoever else, um, and they tried to put every single possible brand on it, every single possible theme or spin on it, the only ones that actually rose to the top and survived were the two ones that really started the craze in the first place, Dota and League of Legends. And I think we'll see something very similar with Battle Royales. And two years from now, I think we'll be looking back and it'll be like, oh man, remember when everyone was trying to be a Battle Royale? Oh, well, all right, going to play some Fortnite now. And I think Fortnite and PUBG will stick around and be around for the long haul and will continue, if not competing, at least both succeeding on their own merits. And I think everyone else will just move on to the next trend after shutting down some studios and firing some people and never punishing the people who actually make the decisions, the executives with their multi-million dollar bonuses, they'll they'll be okay. Well, the, the people on the ground floor will all suffer for it, but that is the way that the <laughs> cookie crumbles. That is the way this industry works. I think there's one way it's different than other trends, though, and that, I don't know, I could be very off base here, but I suspect it's cheaper to experiment with a battle royale mode than it is to say create an entire mmo back in the day right so i think what we could see is yeah there will be these core battle royale experiences like fortnite and PUBG, but that maybe uh, a version of battle royale becomes uh what deathmatch is in in military shooters so it becomes something that's just expected alongside other things in military shooters kind of like um horde modes or zombies mode or, or whatever you want to call them in various games that is this thing that is a pretty serious investment but done carefully it can be part of a game rather than the entire product so I, I, I think we I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see more competitors in the Battle Royale space, but with them not being with them managing to exist alongside Fortnite rather than necessarily competing with it in the same way. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. 
Although I think that Battle Royale, the the one thing that makes it more expensive, or at least more expensive than your average deathmatch mode, is the number of players. And I think it'll be interesting to see, because uh, a server and uh, uh, the, the way that netcode works, it can only support so many people, depending on what kind of technology and code base you're using in the first place. Um, a game like Destiny, for example, could never support that many players, because it's just that the engine is just not built yeah. to support that. And I think it'll be interesting to see what Call of Duty does. No Notably, they have been very silent about how many players their Battle Royale mode is actually going to support. And they made it kind of, they've hinted that they haven't really figured it out yet and they're still experimenting and trying to figure out what they can support. But I wouldn't be shocked if that was under 100, if it was closer to, I don't know, 40 or 50. And I think that yeah. that it's that's the thing that makes it tricky about adding a Battle Royale mode to your game is that you have to support this massive map and a whole lot of people running around without lagging, without frame rate and performance issues so that makes it a little trickier than like i don't know just adding 4v4 death matches to your military shooter game but yeah that's that's a good point i think it'll be interesting to see what people do and maybe there is room for smaller scale battle royales and maybe this will be a really good thing because having more variety in shooter games is always cool and even if it is like a cloning thing it'll be cool to see more options so yeah i think one opportunity for a company to really blow the doors off at E3 in the Battle Royale space. And I'm just going to throw the, the idea out here. It's the Division 2. Oh, you read my mind. So we're going to see some Division 2 at this year's E3. I think that the Dark Zone, as they originally designed it for the original Division, promised what PUBG ended up making, right? And somehow they lost their way over at Ubisoft to, to making the dark zone into what it could have been. And then they tried to back into it and they, they changed how many players and the, the, the stakes that were being raised within the dark zone. But man, I'm, I'm very interested to see if Ubisoft wants to dive into it. What do you think, Chris? I mean, Charlie, I was literally G chatting Jason about this yesterday <laughs> when I was like, Oh man, we, we got to talk about the division because I, I just, find the division to so compelling it's such a i and and i i think i've have written about this before that ahead of e3 it, there is this kind of magical window of you kind of know what vaguely will be announced but you don't know all the details so it can kind of be whatever you want it to be <laughs> and and i think division two is in this unique spot where it had so many good ideas and now it has the opportunity to be polished and compete with Destiny 2. While there are questions about Destiny 2, though some of those have been recently answered with news today. It, but on the flip side, I think you're right. I think they had so many of the ideas that would become the backbone of the Battle Royale genre. And they have a system that is equipped to handle that. And, and really interesting, dense urban environments that we aren't seeing a lot of in um in in this genre i think the one concern would be that ubisoft does what it tends to do which i i don't know if this is scott jones or john tady who came up with this thought but the the two refrigerator problem have you ever heard about this no please un unwrap the two refrigerator problem for okay me. I, I, like the idea is that you have a refrigerator right and it's very nice and it does all the things that you want to do but one day you think, wouldn't it be great to have another refrigerator 
that I can store like, I don't know, like some my beer in because they take up so much space or my or my, my drinks or my bottled water or, or uh, I don't know, maybe some stuff from the garden I'm trying to keep long term. Maybe I'm making jellies. I don't know. There, surely there's a reason for the second refrigerator. And then you go out and you buy the second refrigerator. But then pretty quickly you discover that you spend more time cleaning and filling and finding a purpose for the second refrigerator, that that becomes the entire point of it. And that is the problem often in Ubisoft open world games. They have a good open world. It's They have a core thing to do that is very compelling. And then at some point along the way, they think, you know, what if we added like a thousand more things? Um, <laughs> and, and all of them were work. And then you... you Rather than enjoy the thing that you're there for, you find yourself endlessly distracted by these things that uh, were probably intended as filler, but end up feeling more like chores. And that would be my fear is that hopefully they, I would rather see them cutting more than adding or just, you know, dramatically refining rather than just piling more and more and more stuff on. Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I think that uh, Ubisoft has the advantage of looking at what didn't work with D- the Division 1 when it launched and looking at how that game changed over over the years. I never really played it, but just watching people talk about it and watching the way that it evolved and the developers really listened to what people wanted and changed the end game accordingly. Um, I was talking to someone who is working on that game pretty recently, and that person said that they were very excited about the new end game that they're coming up with and, and that they're like really focused focusing on that and looking at Destiny 2 and Destiny 2's failures with endgame stuff and I wouldn't be shocked to see them play around with Battle Royale stuff for the endgame. I wouldn't be shocked to see them come up with other stuff entirely for their endgame. I wouldn't be shocked to see some Destiny-style raids and that would make me very happy to be able to do that in more games. But yeah, there is that risk of too many uh, too many fridges and uh, I think that that risk is exacerbated when you have uh, 10 studios around the world and thousands of people working on the same game and everyone's just generating stuff and cranking stuff out constantly and are coordinated by an army produ- uh, army of producers. But even with that, it's still so hard to coordinate that like if someone in studio and the studio in Singapore decides to add a feature here um, and then someone in this studio in Paris is uh, working on a different feature and suddenly you wind up with like these bloated games. It is an interesting, uh, an interesting scenario to look at and i think that's a pretty good analogy the two fridges i remember a demo for assassin's creed 3 back in the day and there was the kind of you know send your assassins away to do stuff that kind of originated in brotherhood and there was text story to it and i asked about it and i was talking to some sort of producer on the game and he he didn't know about it he just didn't know it existed (laughs) yep And, and like that that was eye-opening to me and now it's obvious like you said teams are so big but that was one of the first times that it really struck me of holy cow so many different people are responsible for so many things that stuff could be inserted into a game one night and the next morning the other people on that same project would not know one not know it exists and two not know it ever even got greenlit 
Mm-hmm. And, and that's oh yeah wild yeah i've heard stories of like easter eggs being put into games sometimes without people's knowledge sometimes making people really mad in the process for example destiny which i follow pretty closely and report about uh, report on a lot even they within bungie like that studio is probably 750 maybe even more people by now they have trouble communicating just as a studio and different people in different departments will have no idea what the other departments are doing now if you take that and think of about it across like five different countries and 10 different studios and they're all in different time zones and uh, who knows who is communicating with who at any given time it's just all uh, one big potential disaster so yeah I mean people people don't really think I think your average gamer I mean for good reason doesn't really think about the communication challenges involved with making these things <laughs> literally just in terms of language yeah yeah <laughs> or like like getting a Skype call like I think about our yeah. meetings at Kotaku. Kotaku is like fifteen, maybe, no fewer now, like thirteen or fourteen full time staff. And even for us, it's tough to communicate and make sure we're all on the same page so that like nobody comes up. I mean, the other day I woke up and someone had written a story that I was already in the process of working on. So if that sort of thing happens with a team of thirteen, just because we're spread out across different countries, imagine a team of thousands of people. It's just, I mean, that's why the job of producer exists is just to coordinate and communicate communicate and make sure all these people are working on uh, things that don't overlap or conflict and stick with the general direction of the game. But it's just mind boggling the scale and scope of this stuff. Now, I, I know we all have busy days of preparing for E3 ahead of us and busy weeks at that. My goodness, it's only Tuesday, fellas. Um, but I wanted to kind of end the show today with uh, giving you each the opportunity to talk about what, what you think will be just the biggest surprise or maybe the biggest story, the biggest holy crap moment to come out of E3. And I want to I want to let you kick things off, Jason. What do, what do you think is going to be the, the biggest surprise out of this year's E3? Oh, man, the biggest surprise. Hmm. I think that, um, hmm, maybe Bethesda's got something big up their sleeves. They've already announced Rage 2 and Fallout 76, but uh, I have heard that they've got more planned to announce. I wouldn't be shocked to see them tease some big project, some big future project that gets people really hyped up and excited. So that could be one. I also wouldn't be shocked to see Nintendo come out of nowhere with some really cool big surprise that just catches everyone off guard, like a new Zelda set in the same world as Breath of the Wild, like an ex- like a Majora's Mask style uh, sequel or expansion or something like that. <laughs> you just got uh, so many people's hopes up so high. Yeah. Yeah, so I should many say people that are going is, to read into that. Yeah, this is coming from nowhere. I have not heard any rumors about that. This is just me guessing, making a <laughs> wild stab. But yeah, I think uh, that's that's what I would like to see. <laughs> I will say that much. How about you, Chris? Uh, I, I'm, it's going to be a little bit of overlap. How about, Jason, can you name a Bethesda thing that you think will happen, and then I can name a different one? I don't know if I think this will happen. It's just a, a, a guess. How about, uh, what if, okay, so how about my, my prediction will be, my wild prediction will be the Bethesda teases their new IP, whatever it is, the one that everyone thinks is called Starfield. Yes. I, I think, I think that sounds right. I think, I bet they tease the existence of a new Elder Scrolls. Mm. Ooh. But I think it like, it would be like a logo because, I mean, we all know that that game is in some capacity of development, but I would say that it's very, very, very far from now before we see much more than that. 
Yeah, the problem would be that they're so that's so not their mo these days. I know. I think I think this year is going to mark a departure for them. Interesting. I think they're going to be a lot more aggressive um, in terms of showing a little bit more of what they what they have in the pipeline. I mean, we already know they've said that it will be a long a long press conference. So I, I yeah, I think they're going to be aggressive. That said, I don't think like. The other thing that we could see is a sequel to Doom. I don't, I don't think we're going to see anything from either Arcane Studio. That seems unlikely. But yeah, and then for Nintendo, well, Prey, Prey, Prey DLC. Oh for yeah, sure. sure. Sorry, I meant like a a full game. And and then yeah, I mean, I I, I mean Mother Three, right? Like it's got to happen. <laughs> Like <laughs> one it's day, gotta, one of these days, it just gotta happen. <laughs> I think that's it. You know, what, you know, what would be like the really big surprise for me with Nintendo that I keep waiting for that I don't think they're going to do now or maybe ever. But it it just seems like the most Nintendo thing to do would be that they have the Nintendo Switch as this big mobile hit, and that they're going to announce a new handheld system. <laughs> like, like the yep, the 3DS is done, and our next handheld system is this other thing. Um, yep, the Switch is our home console, and, and we, we now have two competing things. Yeah, that would be very Nintendo and ridiculous, and I can totally see them doing that, but not at E3. Like, uh, yeah, that would be a separate event, I think. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much. Chris, I appreciate you taking the time today uh, to come on the show. And Jason, I, I really do appreciate you uh, sharing your, your insights with us here on Quality Control. Sure. Thank you for having me. And thanks to you at home for listening today. We've got a lot more over on Polygon, including uh, some of my first impressions for Vampire from, from the folks over at at don't not guys have you, either you laid hands on vampire yet? i have not i want to it looks good it's a good time there's some of that good old school pc jank to it mm. though like get ready to to just wander around looking for for ways to trigger the next story event when clear instructions are not given to you <laughs> let's say but mm, <laughs> but it's a really good really well voice acted game I'm, I'm enjoying it very much but until we've got another game to talk about this is charlie hall for chris plant and kotaku's jason schreier thank you so much for listening to Polygon's Quality Control. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.